Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. What a crazy week in Charlotte, North Carolina. ACC kickoff is over. We have learned a ton about Syracuse. Jonathan Hoppy here with Tim Leonard. We've got you on Fizz Radio. Thanks for joining us. Full disclosure, we are recording this on a Thursday. Quality's not quite as good as it normally is, but we'll get through it. We're remote. We're down here in Charlotte. It's been a great week, and like you said, we learned a lot about this football team. There's a lot of takeaways. Sometimes you go down here and, you know, it's kind of just you know, learn what the fans want to hear or learn what the coaches want you to know. Status quo. Right. I felt like we learned some stuff. This was worthwhile this year. And maybe it's because it's coming off a 10-win year, but it felt like we learned a good amount about this football team and where they're at right now. That's what I would say. I mean, this is my third year covering this event. And last year when we were there, it picked up a little bit based on the previous year. But this, it's like a whole new ball game. So this is Fizz Radio, 9 to 10 a.m. Saturday morning on the Score 1260. Thanks so much for tuning in if you are joining us that way. If you're online, thanks so much as well. Podcast, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, pretty much anywhere you can find us there. We'll post this as well as all of our other podcasts. So we hope you've been listening all season long, all summer long. But guess what? The season is right around the corner. We're at 44 days when we're recording this. Very Syracuse. Pretty timely. I don't know why. It was. Yeah. And I actually tweeted 45 days when we were physically at Syracuse's media sessions, and someone was like, hey, you should have waited a day. Yeah, you probably should have. That was a miss on your part. 44, but, I mean, this is the most Syracuse podcast we could ever have. But they were they were there. It just it felt like I was lying if, I don't know, something yeah, it just didn't feel the right. The stars have aligned, though. <laughs> Anyways, let's get right into it because we know that's what you want to hear. We cover this event wall-to-wall. We've got quite a few takeaways. There is no script for this podcast. There is no anything. We're talking Syracuse football, getting you ready for this much-anticipated 2019 season. Tim, as I look through the notes that we took, for me, it all starts with one thing, and I think you can probably take that right out of my mouth and say it it's, yourself. It's the offensive line, right? That's yes. where you're going? I think that's the biggest takeaway for me. Dino basically said that's the key to this season, and the depth chart came out, obviously, on Tuesday. The day before we go to that media session, we go and we hear from Dino, Tommy DeVito, and Kendall Coleman, And one of our big takeaways from the depth chart was no Ryan Alexander in a starting spot. Now, obviously, he hasn't been on campus that long, so you can look at it two ways. You can say, if he wasn't a starting spot, then that would be a good sign, but he probably isn't just strictly because he's just getting to campus, right? So It was odd. It was odd, though, because you see two freshmen at the tackle spots. Remember, Aaron Service in the spring depth chart was slid to tackle. He moves back to center in this latest depth chart that comes out, and he's lost a bunch of weight, and it makes you think if you lose weight, you're probably doing that to be a tackle. And there's still question marks around this offensive line. So we were wondering, is he going to give good vibes on the offensive line? Is he going to say Ryan Alexander is coming along great? He didn't really say anything definitive, and he was honestly, he didn't beat around the bush. He was pretty honest about it. He said, I don't know right now. You asked him, what's the state of the offensive line? He said, I can't answer that question right now. He said he needs at least 14 days of camp, two full weeks. He said it's the key to the season. 
We were all thinking maybe linebackers, sort of like we were last year. But now, coming from coach, I don't know how you could disagree with that. Right. The offensive line is crucial. And remember last year, the line was good. Cody Conway and Coda Martin, those are two solid tackles. Maybe not quite NFL guys, but in Dino's fast-paced offense, they can be really good. And those guys were really good this year. And he actually said, boy, if you could just hand me the offensive line that I had from last year and start that out this year, he'd have a smile from ear to ear. Right. I mean, he he was taken back by the thought of it because – he seems to be very, very confident in all the other position groups right now. He seems to be very high on the defense, and we can get to that in a little bit. But he was not holding back about the offensive line. Now, it's not like he came out and said, yeah, we're in trouble there, but no coach is going to say that. But just reading between the lines a little bit, it felt like that's the area where he's concerned. And if he's publicly saying, oh, I'd love to have last year, then we should have no reason to go in and think, it's going to be like last year, at least in the early early progress of the season, because this is a whole different line. There's a lot of moving parts, and right now it seems like there's a lot of competition for those spots. I'm not so sure that Ryan Alexander is going to start week one. It makes you think they wouldn't want to put out you know, two freshman tackles, so maybe you move back service and that move to center is just kind of smoke and mirrors. I don't know, but there's it, a lot to it be feels decided. like there's a ton of competition there. He said that this group could be good. It's not like he was saying, boy, we're in trouble. Right. But what he was saying is he just doesn't know. And those guys are the key to the entire season. So if you're getting ready for Syracuse football and you're worried about one thing, it should be that. And we put a poll out. That's Fizz Feedback coming up on our final segment of the show. We've got you until 10 o'clock here on the Score 1260. We'll be talking about which position is the most worrisome for fans. So it'll be interesting to see that feedback. But you talked about confidence there for a moment. I don't know about you, but it just felt like the confidence from Babers to DeVito to Coleman, it was off the charts. There was a swagger to that group. We're starting with the negative, really the lone negative of our takeaway. So that should not be deceived because it's a confident group. That was a huge takeaway for me is Kendall Coleman and Tommy DeVito just kind of love being up there. The reporters, it's it's more reporters than normal. You've been at this event the past two years, and Dino was getting way more He was mobbed. Right. He, he said it was more this year than the last two years combined. That's a big statement. And we put a photo out. It's at Orange Fizz on Twitter. You can check out all of our coverage there. We've got some great videos from DeVito, Coleman, Babers. What all those guys said, pretty much if you want to sum up the entire day, It's on our timeline. Yeah. We tried to hit the big bullets, and we tried to hit what you would care about as opposed to the random reporter that wants to know about the transfer portal. (laughs) And I like to think we did a good job. Yeah. Those guys were pumped up. It just, you can feel it. And that's what Dino Babers has done, and that's what the national media talk about. He's built an Ohana, as he says. I mean, it really has a family-like atmosphere. And Dino is often one for stories, but when he's at this event, when he's up on the podium, He's not messing around. No. I asked him about the Clemson game. I said, how do you keep your team focused on the first two games and not just jump to the third? And he said, we don't think like that. We don't think like you guys and immediately jump to the third game. Well, how about Kendall Coleman's answer? Talk about well-spoken, They must have talked about that beforehand. Right. Kendall Coleman comes up there, and for those that didn't see the quote, he basically said, 
you can't beat Clemson in week three unless you beat the first thing you got to do to beat Clemson in week three is beat the team two teams before that. I mean, that's like if if Dino could have scripted an answer for him, that's it. And he was getting a lot of praise for that response, right? And, and it picked up a lot of traction because if you're a absolutely. fan, why would you not want to see that? That's the exact attitude this team needs to have. And you know, I don't. I think Dino kind of skated around the question you asked him, and I I do think that's a problem because when you're that's t- the key I mean, to the all whole the season. about that week three game, and that is the home opener, and it feels like kind of the unofficial start of the season and it can get scary when you talk about two road games before that obviously liberty less scary than maryland but i liked what i heard from kendall coleman on that front tommy devito as well and it does feel like they're going in they're a huge family you really get that every time you talk to the players to dino even what Dabo said about syracuse and the program and where it's at right now he said it's relationship built that's what started it and that is a long-lasting thing if you build off of relationships he really praised the program he and always that's no does. surprise he always do- does it he did it two years ago went to dungy and the rest of the guys in the locker room Dabo's a classy guy and i think a lot of people understand that and he knows that syracuse is a legitimate threat and because of that and because of all this hype around that game can you focus on Liberty and Maryland? Like we said, Coleman had a great answer. And Babers knows that that's what the reporters are going to ask about. I asked him, and then someone followed up and said, I know you don't want to talk about Clemson, but I'm going to ask about it. <laughs> right. Because that's a storyline. Syracuse has played him tight. Really, no one else has consistently. That's the biggest storyline. But I walked away from that event thinking that they are absolutely not going to overlook weeks one and two, especially right. week one at How Liberty. Could you not? Right. I think, I mean, Dino praised Hugh Freeze and the program and the personnel that Maryland has even in week two. He brought up a good point, too. There's really no tape on this offense. Yeah, and we hadn't thought about that at all. That's a whole other, you know, thing that you throw into the mix there for Liberty. But, I mean, overwhelmingly, I think we both walked away, as you normally do from these events, but especially with this team, the group of guys that was there, we walked away jacked up and confident in this bunch. And I think starting with the offensive line, that that is the negative. But really outside of that, my biggest takeaway maybe was Dino just straight up saying the defense is our best unit. He said defense, then special teams, which obviously we all know the special teams deserves to get a ton of praise, and then offense. I mean, you talk about Dino Babers, you think about his offense, and he went up and said that if you he was going to rank his three groups it's defense special teams and then offense which is i mean that's optimistic if he's that confident in the defense he said that and i was alarmed yeah maybe not in a negative way but maybe more in a positive way right so if you really want to get into the psychology of it was he saying that to pick up his defense and try to equal amount because everyone talks about the offense or was he actually being serious which we can only assume he was right and trying to say listen i'm known as an offensive coach how about this defense? Yeah. Brian Ward deserves a lot of credit. They completely turned around last year. And this year with the defensive line and the secondary, it's hard not to believe him at this point. Well, if you're going to stand up there on ACC kickoff and say, he said, quote, we have an outstanding defense. And he put emphasis on outstanding. So, you know, if eight weeks from now, 10, 12 weeks from now, that defense is the Achilles heel on this team, People are going to go back and find that quote, and people are going to bring that up. Almost like that one year when Beheim said, I've never had so much talent on one roster, and then right. it didn't fulfill. Two so, years ago, and they just 
kept going back right, to it. Right, right. <laughs> He's not going to make that mistake again. Now, I'm not saying the defense will lead people to do the same thing with Babers, but it has to go into his head a little bit. If you stand up on that podium and you say something like that, you better mean it or else right. you know, it could what come back to bite you. the defense is a complete joke? Right. That'll come, back, that'll come up again for sure. I mean, that was a bold statement. He... And it wasn't even like the question was directly about the defense, if you remember. He said, I'm glad you asked that. He went out and of then his he way. Went in, he went out of his way, and he said, the defense is the best unit on, on our team. He went into that ACC kickoff event, and he wanted to make that clear, and he wanted to make it clear when he said outstanding that he really felt that way. So you you got to be more confident in the defense when you hear something like that. Well, the talking season has begun, and as you can tell, There's a lot to talk about. We've got to go to a break. This is Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Thanks for joining us. On the other side, let's dive more into Tommy DeVito. I think a lot of people view him as just a passing in-the-pocket quarterback. He gave a pretty interesting answer to a question about that. We'll get to that and much more on the other side. It's Fizz Radio. Fizz Radio rolling on. Segment two, thanks for sticking with us. Jonathan Hoppy back with Tim Leonard. Breaking down ACC kickoff as Syracuse unofficially kicks off its season. Preseason camp opens up in just a couple of weeks. When we ended, we talked about Tommy DeVito, and for some reason, Tim, it just feels like he's more mature than he was last he, year. He looks bigger, too. It looks like he gained some weight, and I, I agree 100%. You know, I think... Maybe it was slightly a risk for Dino to put Tommy DeVito in that position as a sophomore, send him down to ACC kickoff. You send one offensive player, one defensive player. There were maybe some more surefire picks, but I like what he did because he's saying, all right, if we're going to be anything this year, he's got to be the leader of our football team. He's got to act like one on the field, off the field, and he carried himself great down there. He looked more mature, like you said, and he looks bigger. Yeah, I think Dino was actually asked about DeVito, and he said he's one of the leaders of our football team and had nothing but positive things to say. He actually really praised him, calling him one of the highest recruits in program history and all that, and we know about Tommy DeVito because of that, because he was brought in with four stars, Elite 11, all that stuff. So now all the hype is kind of coming into fruition. We'll see how he handles it his first year under center. It's interesting when he, I remember when he went out of the way to say elite 11, highest recruit and one of the, it's like he was almost saying to the national media that doesn't know that there's an Eric Dungey replacement. That's <laughs> this pretty kid's good. good. Yeah. It's like he wanted to just clarify that for some of the national media that were there. Cause obviously we around Syracuse know there are high expectations for DeVito, but if you see like FanDuel with five wins, it's because they probably just assume there's not a good replacement there. Fun little note. Someone asked Coach Babers what the expectations are for DeVito. You know what his answer was? He said, well, I expect him to play better than he did against Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even hear that one. Yeah. That's good. I know, right? And, and He's he got said, good answers, man. No, and he said no, blah, 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 and talked about changing the offense. But what we saw from him last year, some good, some great, some and eh, not so good maybe in that Notre Dame game but I do feel like it's a whole different ball game you've got an offense now this year that is completely built around you and your strengths and people think that maybe Syracuse will run less especially from the quarterback position I asked him about that and he said listen my first read is throwing the ball every time but his quote was and you can see this online orangefizz.net if it's first down or touchdown I'm going for it yeah I thought that was pretty good yeah, no, I, I like that. I asked him to something along the lines of, you know, it kept going with the running narrative a little bit. And he said, 
you know, I'm not going to be jumping at people like Eric Dungier. I'm not <laughs> going to be a warrior out there, but right. I like to run it. And then someone asked him, so are you going to lead the team in rushing? Just sort of joking. He said, I can promise I you I'm not. not. <laughs> he said, I hope not. He did put that one to bed. He said, I can promise you I'm not going to be leading the team. I can give you that, but... I'm confident in my legs. I'm maybe a pocket passer by qualification, but I'm more than that in my eyes, and I like that. Tommy DeVito seemed to be really confident. Gets up on the podium, had a smile. Someone asked him about his offseason. He said that he was just working on his tan. I mean, he had the jokes. He <laughs> right. had everything you want from a leader He's of charismatic. Team. He's very charismatic, and that's good for a quarterback, especially to get media attention. I think people are going to really like this guy. The other thing with him is you could actually see his eyes light up when he talked about those skill position players no around him. I mean, I don't know if he was putting on a show, but when right. you asked about his receivers, he looked at you like you just gave him a hundred dollar gift. Right. Card. And he, he was going Jarvion, Joel, like he was just listing off all these players and he should feel that way. I mean, we've talked about it. these skill positions are loaded, but it definitely feels like he's confident and he's got a lot of swagger going into his first full year at the job. So quarterback check, Tommy DeVito check. That's basically all you right. could come away from that event saying. But Antoine Cordy, we found out that he will play this year, sixth season that he's eligible. Feels like he's been around <laughs> a long <Ellis> time. Stuff. <laughs> That's because he has. So if people were giving Hunter Renfro a lot of grief, right. well... This guy doesn't quite play as much and maybe hasn't made as big of an impact making a catch that basically won a national championship. But Antoine Cordy has his work cut out for him. That's my biggest takeaway. He was not in the two-deep preseason depth chart. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Coach Baber said he's really gotten unlucky, but guess what? The guys that have replaced him have played very well. I I feel bad for Antoine Cordy, but... Isn't this like a perfect indication, just putting this whole thing in perspective about how far Syracuse has come in the secondary? We used to talk about Antoine Cordy like, oh, if we had him healthy, that's the reason why the secondary is playing bad. Like, he is the top dog in that secondary. Even when he was a sophomore junior. Three years ago, it was huge news. Right. It was panic because you thought he was the top dog. And now, and obviously. Maybe he's not quite the same player. you got to factor that in a little bit because of all these injuries. But to sit here and say Antoine Cordy, relatively healthy, is not on the two deep, I mean, that shows you what this defensive secondary is looks like now compared to when it was two, three years ago and Notre Dame was scoring on the first play and remember Lamar Jackson was ripping them to shreds and everything. They've come a long way. Things look really, really, really good in the secondary. (laughs) I might say that one more time. Go ahead. (laughs) Christopher Frederick, really. Christopher (laughs) Frederick is an all-ACC caliber corner. Mm -hmm. He's great at covering the big receivers, and I know that maybe sometimes last year some guys blew up against Syracuse, but you like Frederick on the outside. Absolutely. Andre Sisco, an all-ACC, all-American caliber player, and Coach Baber says he's actually beefed up in the offseason. Yeah, he got some uh, biceps and triceps from Walmart, he right. said. And the pecs, I don't know what yeah. he said about He He bought them right off a shelf right. or something. Point is, he's looking bigger. <laughs> yeah, so he had the sort of athletic part of the game when you're going out and making a bunch of plays, 
but he never really had the physical aspect last year. He yep. was, you know, he missed some tackles and that sort of thing, but they're hoping that can turn around, and he's worked hard. Evan Foster, gosh, he seems like a savvy veteran in the backfield. Maybe not an all-ACC caliber guy, but close. Right. And then now with Ify Mellon Fonwu on the outside replacing Scoop Bradshaw, seems like that's going to be something that that's not going to change because Ify – Certainly seems to have a higher yeah, ceiling than Scoop. Absolutely, and he brings more physicality, which is big if they're going up against a bigger receiver like a Tamorian Terry, someone like that for Florida State. That whole secondary, is it crazy to say that all of those guys, even Trill Williams, who we didn't mention, right. all of them maybe could play in the NFL? I mean, there's maybe a slimmer chance for a guy like Evan Foster, you know, but Melifonwu has the build. Have potential. They all have the potential to at least be on a practice squad. And that's, that's I mean, a good unit. It's as good as it has ever been. And the more we talk about it, that might be the best unit on this football team. <laughs> you, it's it's you, crazy. You're probably right. And that's right. why Dino got up to the podium and said, defense is the strength of our team. And that has been their downfall for the past five, six years. When they've been four and eight, three and nine, whatever, it's because of those big plays they allow in the secondary. Now, they, they're still going to allow some, and you know when they play Clemson, it's going to be a tall task. But I don't know, man. The One secondary of the best units is in the, the ACC rise. right? for secondary. So Clemson's a tall task, but somebody's got to try to take them down, and we'll see if Syracuse can do that week three. But how about the special teams? That's kind of the last thing we should hit on here before we go to another break. We voted on the ACC personnel and the teams, where they would finish, and player of the year. We'll get to that coming up in the next segment. It's hard not to pick Syracuse for every special teams position. <laughs> I literally picked them for every position. Kicker, Sean Riley, punter, specialist. Yeah, Sterling Hoffrichter. Dino came out and said one of the bolder things he said this week was, He's an NFL punter. Write it down. He will punt in the National Football League. And you can't really blame him for saying that based on what we've seen from Sterling Hoffrichter. Yeah. Andre Smith, best kicker in the country, is coming back as just a sophomore. And it was funny. Kendall Coleman was asked, what's the most impressive thing you've seen from one of your teammates, maybe just in practice, laying around? And he said, the coolest thing I've seen is Sterling Hoffrichter can literally, on command, kick it into the roof of the dome. He said he'll he'll literally turn to Kendall and go, watch this, and he puts it into the roof of the dome every single time when he punts it. I like if, if he Pete wanted Sala to. Salah and the stadium control staff. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that worries them a little bit? Uh, I guess the new roof's coming yeah. in in the near future. Maybe if he kicks it through the roof, they'll just go ahead and move right. on. And, and maybe he's doing us all in. a favor. Just just get rid of it already, Sterling. But get us some AC in there. But that's impressive. You think about high how high how high that roof is. Tongue twister there. I mean. He is one of the best punters in the country, and really their whole special teams, it's the best special teams in the country. I think you can flat out say no that. No doubt about it. And people were asking about it. People are intrigued, and we should say that Dino Babers did say that was their second best unit. Right. So think about <laughs> that. The defense leapfrogging special teams, and then the offense, which a lot of people love, is third of all the units. So we'll break that down more coming up on the other side, and we'll get into ACC voting. Where do we think teams will finish in the Coastal, the Atlantic, and in terms of players, there's a lot of Syracuse guys to talk about, too. So come back with us. Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Plenty more to come. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, back on Fizz Radio. Jonathan Hoppy with Tim Leonard from sunny North Carolina here in mid-July, wrapping things up at the ACC kickoff. Syracuse on Wednesday, the Coastal Division on Thursday. And we're going to get into bigger picture ACC here because – a lot of people say that it's a non, it's not very interesting. But I'd argue that 
after this week, and I guess that's the whole goal of the event, <laughs> right. is to feed you that sort of propaganda. But I do think there are some questions. Clearly, Clemson is the top dog. But down from them, in both divisions, there's a number of questions to be answered. Right. I think John Swafford's two goals from the events was, one, it's not just Clemson in this conference, and two... Buy the ACC Network. Get a package where you can get the ACC Clearly Network. Clearly it didn't work very well if we're just now mentioning the ACC <laughs> right. Network. Right. I mean, that's that was the first two <laughs> hours of that event was them. And some of the stuff did look cool. But oh, it I know looks cool. Lo- right. I know a lot of fans are complaining because they've got a direct TV deal but not much else. And it's getting to the point now where they're starting August 22nd. You'd hope to see it a little more frequent on some of these packages because people want to see Syracuse and people want to see ACC games next year. But they were hammering that home, and also that this just isn't Clemson. But you're right. I kind of came away feeling the same way, too, that, yes, it's kind of Clemson versus the rest of the league, but there's a lot of intriguing storylines, even in the Coastal and also in the Atlantic. It's a jam-packed Atlantic, I think. While we're on this topic for a second, going back to the ACC network, I know that Swafford and the league has really caught in some flack over the years for being slow to get the network up and running five years behind the sec the big 10 and the pac-12 is mm-hmm. doing great but right. at least they have <laughs> something called the pac-12 network yep. but now this acc thing is coming in and i think espn and the acc have done a terrific job i think yeah. it's going to be special i think it's going to be unique which was the whole goal and it may have taken some time but it feels like they did it right but right. let's talk about some of these teams now and some of these players, you start with preseason player of the year. That may be the easiest thing I've done all day. Yeah, I'd say Trevor Lawrence is going to get a unanimous vote there. Is there, I mean, maybe A.J. Dillon or is there anyone else you could put in the conversation? No, I, I really don't right. think so. It's, it's Trevor Lawrence. And it's still down. odd filling these things out because this is going to come out on Monday and you want, you want your picks to be right. Right, I mean, it, yeah. It's one thing to put them in a magazine but when you're actually voting as a part of a conference media you think about it a couple of times yeah. and you think you know I, I made a gutsy pick in the coastal division and hopefully <laughs> i'm right otherwise it's really gonna mess right. up the voting and we'll get to that in a second syracuse though i mean they're littered throughout some of this voting we talked about the special teams you gotta have them there offensive line it's not a strength it's a really a big question mark but Evan Adams and Aaron Service, those are two All-ACC caliber linemen. I think I I had Evan Adams as an All-ACC guard. Service was tough for me because I didn't know whether to play yeah, with center play? or tackle. <laughs> um, I don't think he qualifies as a tackle, but I think if he is their center, and it's just hard to put him down as a center. Did you put him as center? I did put him as the you center. You just assumed. Yeah, I mean. I think they're going to switch him there for good. Even with the loss of weight. Yeah, I think they found out, and he's going to put that weight back on. This is all a guess, but I think that he's a good center, and he's not quite as good of a tackle. Right. And they see his value at center, and will try to figure something else as opposed to having a weaker center and a weaker tackle. I think you got to you know, really strengthen what you can. It means, to me, it feels like if they're going to leave him at center – we've got to see Ryan Alexander at one of the tackle spots, right? Or else well, you're going two freshmen. Everyone thinks that. I, believe. I mean, yeah. if, if Ryan Alexander is not in the picture, there's yeah. some issues. I'm a little less confident, though, after seeing what Dino said about the offensive line or kind of the little bit of hesitation in his voice and also just not seeing him in the starting spot on the depth chart. Elton Robinson, defensive end. To me, he's first team all Did you ACC. have Coleman, too? I did not. Yeah, I, I just went Robinson. Yeah, I went I, Xavier Thomas, Clemson. Yeah, I think I did the same thing. 
Linebacker, Syracuse, not going to pop up there. Shaquille Quarterman, he's the guy to watch out for. I mean, he's clearly preseason the best linebacker in the entire conference. Same at quarterback with Bryce Hall. Safety, Andre Sisco. You put him in? I didn't have him on my all-ACC team. Wow. I know people are going to be I, – I forget exactly who Caught I had. Red-handed. I think Miami and the Clemson guy were the two I went with. Um, but, look, Sisco, I think – is right on the precipice of it, and I think he will be in All-ACC preseason once the media polls come out, and hearing what Dino said about him was great. I just think the interception numbers are probably going to fall off a little bit. I I still think he's obviously a great safety, but there's a lot of good safeties in the conference. Yeah, you've got a lot of question marks, and I know that's been a topic for us about Cisco, but you know, you're kind of pumping the brakes. For me, I I was happy to hear that he's really beefed up and he's going to become more physical. And obviously it's a guessing game like all of this is in the preseason. But I think he's going to have a monster season. I mean, there's really no reason to believe he doesn't take a step forward. To me, it's just how can you quantify these all-ACC selections? Most likely they're going to go off of interceptions because that's the biggest one. And a lot of those interceptions, well, you got to give them credit for being in the right place right time. We're just kind of fluky things. So I don't think he's going to get to the FBS leader in interceptions again. And then it's going to be a little more under the radar, his tackling and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's he's number three if he's not number two. And it's not by a wide margin that he's off for me. Okay, let's jump ahead now to predicted finish in the Atlantic Division and the Coastal. Let's start with the Atlantic, and we'll get to this later in Fizz Feedback. We asked you guys where Syracuse would end up, but... This is our official prediction as we voted earlier today in the Atlantic. Clemson is number one. Yeah, I got them. <laughs> okay. Syracuse, no, I got number Sorry. two. You got <laughs> yeah, Syracuse Yeah, I've got second. Syracuse, too. Third, who you got? Wake Forest. Wow. What do you have? Holy mackerel. You have hopped on the Wake Forest <laughs> hype train. I was impressed. And also, going through their schedule, it's a pretty easy start. And I like teams that have an easy start. You get some confidence. They're going to be 5-0. and I mean, you go through their schedule. It's three non-conference teams that are low tier, and then I think it's Boston College and North Carolina in ACC play. Just That's a five little wins. peek under the curtain here. I've been high on Wake Forest. I'm going to give myself some credit. I was early on the you Wake are. Forest train, and, and that Tim might be is now on me. the train. It may be. What, I've even got three? Florida State third. I think Florida State three is a bit ambitious for me for Wake Forest. Florida State is three, so that's going to make your next pick interesting. Okay. And I know that I'm down on NC State. I've got Florida State three, Wake Forest four. So you've got Florida State four? I've got Florida State four, NC State five. Boston College, Louisville. Yeah, Florida State to me is – they've got a tougher schedule than a Wake Forest or an NC State. Now, obviously they're more talented. They've got a lot going for them. But you start out with a tough... There's a lot of, like, toss-up games early. They play Boise State Week 1. You could lose that. And the other thing with them is it just feels like they roll over if they lose a couple games early. At Virginia Week 3, if you lose that, I just don't have as much faith in the culture there to just bounce right back and stay with it. So I don't know. I've got them behind Wake Forest, and that's partially because I just think Wake Forest gets off to a hot start And then they have some confidence, some swagger, and they're kind of that sleeper team that we're looking at. Each year there's one of those teams in the conference. That final home game, final game of the regular season for Syracuse against Wake, that could could be be big big in terms of bowl implications. Possibly Orange Bowl on the line 
That's all going to depend on what happens in the Coastal. Just in case you didn't hear me there, Boston College 6, Louisville 7. I think that's pretty consensus. I'd be shocked if those weren't the bottom two teams on Monday when this is released by the conference. So starting with the Coastal, Virginia, I've got them as my champion. And it Same. will be, I think, the seventh straight year with a different champion really? if Virginia wins. Well, it's crazy. Pittsburgh won it last year. Right. You don't even remember that. They've rotated throughout, and you can think back to the days, Paul Johnson, where Georgia Tech was good. Duke had its run a few years ago. North Carolina did the same. So it makes sense. We'll have seventh year of seventh straight different champions. That's nuts. I, I, feel I like, didn't really think twice about that. I feel like Virginia has the fewest question marks. We know what we're getting with Bryce Perkins. We know they have a lot of good guys, veteran guys on their defense. Their head coach, Mendenhall, is on the rise. There's a good culture there. You know, you look at a team like Miami, there's a question mark right off the bat at quarterback with Tate Martell. What are we getting in him? There's Some a lot don't of even question think marks. He'll start. Right. There's a lot of question marks in the Coastal Conference as a whole. And then there's the Virginia. And you know they're going to be question. I like that. <laughs> you know they're going to be at least seven wins. I'd say confidently. It's just can they take that next step or not? And I think they will. So we're running up against our next break. I'm going to run through these quickly, and then you tell me after the fact where you disagree. I've okay. got Miami two, Pitt three. This is where it gets surprising. North Carolina four, wow. Virginia Tech five, wow. and then Duke and Georgia Tech. I'm all out on Justin Fuente. I'm selling stock. Really? Yes. I've got Virginia Tech behind Miami at three. So I've got Virginia at one, Miami two, Virginia Tech three. I'm not that high on them, but I'm not willing to put them all the way down I think it's another terrible year, and I think Fuente is really on the hot seat. He might be gone. Wow. This is a really really bold prediction. It's a hot take, but sometimes you got to come out with these things, and I've thought about it, and I I really think they're going to struggle this year. If they're good, I'll completely eat my words, but this is my surprise in the ACC. Virginia Tech down again. I'm not that high on them either, but I would not put them at five. I think three is a good spot for them. Pittsburgh, to me, is four, and then North Carolina. North Carolina, I like what they're doing recruiting-wise, obviously, but I just can't put them They're in the They're pretty top loaded other than quarterback. So basically right. I'm counting for Sam Howell to come in and be pretty good, which is a risk for a freshman. Yeah, so your two hot takes are Virginia Tech and Wake Forest, basically. Am I, I mean, I'm in on Wake Forest with you. and I'm, Your Wake Forest take is hotter than mine. You don't have it at three also? I've got them four. Oh, right, yeah. So that's our two hot takes. We'll see how they pan out. More hot takes on the other side. Fizz <laughs> feedback as well. This has been a great episode. Thanks for joining us. Fizz Radio, we'll wrap it up on the other side. Final segment of Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Thanks so much for being with us, and glad you've made it this far. If you like what you hear, go back and find this on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcast. And make sure to check us out online, orangefizz.net. We've got written content, audio content, and everything in between. Jonathan Hoppy back with Tim Leonard. Wrapping the show up here, Fizz Feedback, Tim. We've got some fun questions. Let's start here. Which position group are you most concerned about, linebacker and offensive line? Because, frankly, I couldn't come up yeah, with a third group. We, we couldn't think of a third. That says a lot about where this team's at right now. I mean, last year we would have rattled off five or six probably. But right. I think going into the week I would have said linebacker because that's kind of on paper where there's more – you know, pieces to fill in. There's more loss there, but offensive line is now my top concern after this week and after hearing what Dino said. And I think also because 
offensive line goes under the radar, and if you have a bad offensive line, I mean, I know it's an easy comparison, but think about Florida State last year. They had a bad offensive line. It was kind of a trickle-down effect, a chain reaction of sorts. If you have a bad offensive line, it can be really bad for your team, and I think it could hurt Tommy DeVito's confidence and everything else. If you have a bad linebacker group, I'm not overly worried. It's not great by any means, but you do have a really good D-line and a great secondary on paper around them, so I think it disguises it a little bit more. So because of that, I'm more worried about the offensive line. The results are in. 65% of Fizz Nation agrees with you. 35% say linebacker. Understandable for me. Both are still a legitimate concern. Yeah, absolutely. Fizz feedback. Where will Syracuse finish in the ACC Atlantic? First, second, third, fourth, or worse? How many first place votes? I'm eager to hear. 28%. Wow. Pretty high. (laughs) Yeah, that's a little biased. Which is fair if you really think Syracuse is going to beat Clemson and then only lose one game for the rest of the season, but that kind of... Seems like a tall task. I wonder if we just said you think Syracuse beats Clemson week three, what the percentage would be. Because, honestly, it's not... a good one for down the road. Right. It's not that far off. If you think they're going to win that game, chances are you're penciling them in as the Atlantic Division champions. And I've laid this out before. If you beat Clemson and you're 3-0, you go the rest of your schedule, you can lose one game because you'll have the tiebreaker with Clemson and you'll be in Charlotte for the ACC championship game. That's crazy. But you can only lose once because most likely... Clemson would not be losing again. Right. Most likely, Clemson is not going to lose to Syracuse <laughs> sure. in the first place. I want to get make that very clear. I, I, I don't think that that's going to happen. It seems kind of like a pipe dream, but it's not that far-fetched. It's, you know. If it's going to happen, man, it would happen in the Carrier Dome with game day possibly coming and homecoming. I see you've been and, buying in. You, you've been, yeah, uh, I'm not 28%. But no. <laughs> <laughs> you've been taking your summertime to think about it. Sure. Well, so what else is there to think about? <laughs> 28% first, 58% second, 9% third, 5% said fourth or worse. That would really be tough for this team, especially given after what we just heard. Fizz feedback after hearing Babers, DeVito, and Coleman at the ACC kickoff. Funny that this is the next question because it's what I was just talking about. Are you feeling more or less confident about the 2019 Gotta season? be more. I mean, that's got to be overwhelming, 87% right? 87% more, 13% less. I'm right there. I'm surprised it's 13%. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Besides there was, the offensive right. line, there's really no other area for concern that we didn't know about. And I think people knew about the offensive line, but it's now more in focus, especially I, after the depth chart. People thought, okay, Alexander left side, service right side, middle will be good, Heckle will be a good center. Now, I mean, there's weight change, they're shifting back yeah. to center. I mean, there's a lot going on. I guess we should have known that the depth chart was going to change and there was going to be something like that. I'd say on Tuesday, after I found out about the new depth chart and the offensive line just looked weird, it just looked scary seeing two freshmen. I know that doesn't mean they're going to start week one at the tackle spots, but it still just felt a little you know, alarming of sorts to see that. I probably went down a little bit just on Tuesday, but once I saw on Wednesday the confidence within Tommy DeVito, Kendall Coleman, the swagger that they presented on that stage and just being around the team, they just seemed so jacked up for the season and so confident. So does Babers. When he came out and said, our defense is outstanding. I mean, think about last year. He wouldn't have said anything close to that in terms of a bold statement about any position group, even if he was talking about Eric Dungy, maybe. So once I heard them in particular, that gave me more confidence, and that's why I'm more encouraged. 
That's going to just about do it. From Charlotte, North Carolina, Fizz Radio wraps up. What a fun event it was at the ACC kickoff at the Westin downtown. It's been a great week. We're excited to get back up to Syracuse and kind of officially kick off that countdown clock here at 44 days this past (laughs) Thursday. I can't wait. It's going to be a fun season, and just seeing those guys makes it more fun. They're all jacked up. If you missed any of our coverage, hit us up online, orangefizz.net. We were one of the few Syracuse website with boots on the ground. <laughs> we were there. We've got great videos and everything else. Orange Fizz on Twitter. Join us and keep following us all summer as we get you ready for the season. Thanks for listening. <laughs>